Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and it is great to be back after a month and a half break, and it is even greater to do so now because the first 2018 NFL training camps begin this week. The Ravens and Bears will have their first summer practice this Thursday, exactly two weeks before they kick off the 2018 preseason with the Hall of Fame game. Technically speaking, football is back, and in that spirit, it is a pleasure to welcome back my weekly in-season compatriot, Hal Bent of BostonSportPage.com, back to the program for our 2018 NFL Training Camp Preview. Welcome back, Hal. How you doing? David, I am doing great. I've had a hangover since February with the Patriots losing the Super Bowl to Philadelphia while the rest of the nation rejoiced, so I am ready for a new year of football. I am just so hungry for it right now. Oh, tell me about it. I am oh so hungry for it right now. And uh, yes, the Ravens and Bears are the first teams to uh, kick off training camp this week, but the rest of the league joins in the action the following week. And we are here to cover all of the NFL for you in our 2018 NFL training camp preview. And we begin with discussing some of these contracts and holdout situations because these are a primary topic when training camp uh, rolls around. And we have some interesting scenarios this year, beginning with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As today, when the franchise tag deadline passed, Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers could not come to a long-term agreement for the second straight year. And this obviously means that not only will Le'Veon Bell play under the franchise tag again, but A, this is likely his final season as a Steeler, as his agent made clear in his uh, statement, and B, he will hold out for quite a while. And earlier today, Adam Schefter said on Sirius XM NFL Radio that he believes that it's possible that the All-Pro running back sits out the first half of the season. If you were Le'Veon Bell, would you be willing to miss games this time around if you think it will help you get the payday you deserve next March? Well, I think any NFL player with the the shortened length of career, the non-guaranteed contracts, I am always a proponent of the players over the owners. The owners are padding their pockets no matter what. So for me, every player should take every step to get every dollar they can get out of the game while they're healthy and have that opportunity. So for Le'Veon Bell, if it means missing a couple of games to make up that difference, I am on team Le'Veon Bell in this matter. Oh, I completely agree. And and as his agent uh, said so astutely, they decided to pay the position, but not the player. Le'Veon Bell transcends his position. He's not a typical running back at all. He is a multifaceted offensive weapon. And if Jarvis Landry is worth $16 million a year, Le'Veon Bell has to be worth infinitely more than that because he's infinitely more of a crucial piece to any NFL offense than Jarvis Landry will ever be. Oh, that's exactly true, David. I mean, he's one of those players that touches the ball so many times and has such an impact. Another comparison I use is Julio Jones, probably the best wide receiver. He's kind of uh, distancing himself from the pack just a little bit now. And even he doesn't have the impact of Bell because he's not going to have those touches. Teams can still scheme him out of the game plan. And with Bell being able to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield, line up at wide receiver, there's no way to erase him. You can only minimize him. And for that kind of player, his agent is exactly right. He transcends the running back position. It's Bell and everyone else. It's like in the NBA, it's LeBron James and everyone else. You're not going to pay LeBron James based on what a shooting forward gets paid. You're going to pay him as the best player and most dynamic player in that league. 
Oh, fantastic analysis and comparison there, Hal. And I agree yet again. And also, it's not just Le'Veon Bell. Look at the other running backs that are due contract extensions in the coming years. David Johnson of the Cardinals, this is the final year of his rookie deal. Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys. And Todd Gurley, who is in the second to last year of his rookie deal with the Rams. All those three guys are depending on Le'Veon Bell to do something so they could get a big payday just like him. Running backs, as Adam Schefter said a couple years ago, they ought to get their own union. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to reset their market and get running backs, the elite ones, especially the the dough they, they deserve. Exactly. There has been a resurgence in the running back position, the value of that position with players like Alvin Kamara making, you know, a huge impact in the game. You just see it in the draft this year. Saquon Barkley going at number two and you see Rashad Penny going in the first round, Sony Michelle going in the first round. The running backs are coming back and that position has been so undervalued that there's a need for a market correction. Every other position is growing in average annual salary even over just the last five years while the running back position is declining. And with the amount of running backs like the Christian McCaffrey's that can come out and contribute in the passing game immediately, you're going to see that that running back position becomes more and more important as it's such a difficult matchup opportunity for these teams to try to defend against. You hit it right on the head there, Hal. And in reality, how long do you think Le'Veon Bell will end up holding out? He's going to be itching to get back into the game and play. It's You know he's not going to be there for training camp. I think it's hard for players in the NFL, once those paychecks stop coming in at week one, to, to hold out too long. I would give him four to six weeks at the max. I don't think it's going to be a full half season holdout there. And he may even be back earlier, but I'd say around, you know, that first quarter of the season, he's going to be itching to get on the field and start putting up those stats and showing off for everybody and for free agency next year. I think that's what happens as well, but never say never. Vincent Jackson uh, said he would hold out the first half of the season in 2010, and that's exactly what he did. So uh, there's precedent there. So never say never in a situation like this. And moving on to the next group of contract uh, potential holdout situations, arguably the three greatest players from that 2014 draft class, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, and Odell Beckham Jr. are entering the final year of their rookie contracts. Which of those three do you see getting extensions before the regular season begins? Boy, I'm not sure if any of those players are going to end up with an extension. Um, Aaron Donald, I'm just—I don't think the Rams have the the cap space to be able to extend him out right now with the, some of the contracts they paid out. Uh, Odell Beckham probably should get paid more than anybody right now as well because of that impact that he can have on the team when he's in the right place and just the need for the playmakers there for the Giants. I'm not sure the Giants are interested in extending him right now, but Beckham is definitely one that should be extended and not somebody you want hitting the open market with his explosive skills. Yes, and what about Khalil Mack? Khalil Mack is, you know, he's one of those few franchise pass rushers you see a Vaughn Miller you see a Chandler Jones in Arizona and the guys that just have that significant impact and consistency game after game he's never taking a game off he's always in the backfield even if he's not getting his sacks 
right now that Oakland defense appears to be Khalil Mack and 10 guys if you were to ask me to assess that. So he's one, you know, it's going to be a matter of, well, the market's set at defensive end. You see the contracts there, the Olivier Vernons, the Vaughn Millers. Oakland can make that deal if they want to, and they really should. So I would say Mack's got the best chance right now of getting that contract done before the season starts. Oh, yes. And another thing, with the Raiders uh, poised to move to Vegas as early as next season, uh, you don't want a franchise tag fight with arguably the best player on your team uh, looming as a big cloud over your transition to Las Vegas. You just can't afford that distraction. So the Raiders have to eliminate such a potential distraction this year by extending Khalil Mack. And as for Aaron Donald, uh, the Rams uh, might try to extend him, but they might have to wait until next year with the franchise tag given their cap situation. But Beckham is interesting. He has to get paid, I agree, but Dave Gettleman's the general manager. And by the way, Dave Gettleman, we are wishing you all the best in your fight with lymphoma. Dave Gettleman, he is not afraid to play hardball with these superstar players. Josh Norman, he rescinded the franchise tag on Josh Norman a couple years ago because he knew that they weren't going to get a deal. And he said, what's the point of having you on the franchise tag? You could just go. And he was fired by Jerry Richardson because he was playing hardball with Thomas Davis and Greg Olson. This Gettleman is not afraid to do unpopular things with certain players. And you, he, he's a force that can't be underestimated here with Odell Beckham Jr. in that contract scenario. That's a great point to bring up with Gettleman as well. It's, you know, it's just the production that that Beckham has put up. It's just so hard. You know, granted, there was the injury last year, if they want to use that as an excuse. Yes, there was the 2016, the the boat trip before the playoff games and, and all of that. But, you know, he is still going to be 26 years old. He is still one of those, you know, wherever you want to lump him in, top three, top five, top seven, top ten wide receivers. And those guys don't fall off of trees. And and he has that game-breaking ability. He has that ability to step up when the lights are the brightest. And for that kind of player, I mean, just think back to the 2014 draft and in the scene in that Giants draft room when Beckham was available to them at number 12 and, and you know they were just so ecstatic to get a player with that kind of talent they need to bottle that up and bring that back to the negotiating table because you know you take him out of that offense right now in New York and, and you saw what happened to that team last year there was just the whole team fell apart and you you know you want to build around that player you've got to pay that player Yes, and you got to pay Odell Beckham, especially because Eli Manning is on his last legs and you want to have the table set for whoever his successor is, whether that be Kyle Oletta, Davis Webb, or another quarterback in the next couple years. The Giants have to have him in the fold for the foreseeable future. And moving on to another contract situation or potential holdout that just made some headlines in the past hour. Uh, The Seahawks are in the middle of a significant roster makeover. Only one person from the original Legion of Boom currently remains, and that is obviously Earl Thomas. Last month, he adamantly stated that he will not show up until his contract demands are resolved, and just about a couple hours ago, he posted on his Instagram that the Seahawks should extend him or trade him. Is it better for the Seahawks to extend Earl Thomas or trade him? Well, it it depends on how much this year is going to be the rebuild in Seattle. Are they going to tear it completely down and erase the entire Legion of Boom? Or 
is there a hope that we're going to build on the fly and still be able to, you know, make a run at a wild card this year and build up and bounce back in the next year or so? I think that's Pete Carroll's plan is to try to keep this team in playoff contention in 2018 and build towards rebuilding that, you know, fresh faced, young, exciting players for 2019 and 2020. You know, he is only Earl Thomas is only going to be 29 this season. He's still in his prime. He's still probably the best player at his position. And, you know, that defense has struggled every time he has been on the sidelines. Um, you know, after he didn't miss a game, I think his first six seasons, and then he's missed a handful in the last two years. So, you know, there's no character concerns. There's no drop off in play concerns. He's the best player at his position. It's just a matter of, is he going to be the bridge to the next generation or is it a complete rebuild here and dump him for whatever you can get? If I was in charge in Seattle, I would be going to the negotiating table table and trying to keep Earl Thomas there for the foreseeable future. Yes, but their only other option is to trade him, in my opinion, because you have to either keep him or trade him. If you don't want to keep him, you have to trade him because he's been so valuable to your team. You can't let him go for nothing. Oh, no, you definitely can't. And, you know, it, it's kind of alarming with what came out and, you know, about him talking about going to Dallas last season. But again, I don't think you'll ever get the value back in a trade. You know, you might get a second round pick. You might get a third round pick for a, a veteran with, you know, that's going to be whoever gets them is going to be paying that that big contract out to him. So I just don't see the value in trading him. And he's just too valuable a player uh, as far as I'm concerned, quarterbacking that defense to to jettison him heading into 2018. I agree, Hal. Hopefully the Seahawks can figure out something with Earl Thomas one way or the other before the season begins. And now let's move on to the other uh, big storyline of training camp that I personally will be following this year. And that is the young quarterbacks that have uh, just entered the league via the draft or are entering their second season. And let's start with the five quarterbacks drafted in the first round of this year's draft. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. What is the most important question for each of these five quarterbacks to answer in training camp, starting with Baker Mayfield? Well, for Baker Mayfield, it's going to be getting on the field, getting those first team snaps, and getting an opportunity to show he's been able to digest that playbook and deserve to start coming out of training camp. I know Cleveland has been saying a lot of things about not putting too much pressure on him, a red shirt year. I just can't see Cleveland going forward with that and, and uh, going forward with uh, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback here over Baker Mayfield. So I think if he can get the reps, if he can shine in practice in the preseason, that's going to be the most important thing for Mayfield is just getting out there and getting comfortable. And then once he does, letting that natural leadership and athleticism take over and catapult him into the starting lineup in week one. Yes, if Baker Mayfield shows what he's supposed to show this preseason, I think you have to start Baker Mayfield. Definitely, definitely. I mean, for, for Cleveland, they're so hungry for that right quarterback, and I understand they don't want to screw that up. But you know what? You spent the number one pick on the guy. Give him a fair shot. Give him a chance to win the job. And if he does win that job, then you ride him and build him up for the, your franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. 
And moving on to Sam Darnold, what does he have to address in training camp? For Darnold, again, there, there's good competition there for Darnold. Uh, there's Teddy Bridgewater the Jets brought in. Josh McCown is back. I mean, that's a great situation for Darnold to have a young veteran there and to have you know somebody of McCown's ability and understanding of his role and just a great team leader who is you know doesn't want to give up his quarterback job but understands what the situation is and i i think for darnold again it's going to be the opportunity i think he's going to be starting in short order for new york just because he is still the most talented of those three quarterbacks and training camp so for darnold i think it's just a matter of patience the jets aren't going to rush him too much and they're going to probably go with McCown early and then let that organically play out, whether McCown struggles, whether there's an injury, whatever that case is. But for Darnold, I think it's just a matter of patience. You're going to be the man. There's no doubt about it. Just let it come organically to you. Yes, that's the beauty of this situation. They are in no pressure to rush Sam Darnold early on. As talented as Sam Darnold is, he's still a little rough around the edges and could use some development. But Sam Darnold's biggest concern coming out of uh, USC this year was his uh, decision-making and lower body mechanics. If he shows a requisite improvement in that department uh, in training camp and has a pretty solid preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if they rolled him out week one. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, he has so much talent. He's got that, you know, he just oozes franchise quarterback, whether it's, you know, you're, you see him um, in front of a microphone behind center. He's got the look. He's got the arm. You know, he's got the attitude. It's all there. And, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes over just on talent alone and ends up starting in week one. And for this quarterback, there's little room for error in his development, and that is Josh Allen. Yeah, I I was surprised Allen went at number seven in Buffalo. I mean, that's a tough situation. They've got A.J. McCarron there, but I think McCarron already is well aware that Allen is going to be breathing down his back. I think if there's any quarterback that should have a redshirt season, it might be Allen. That, you know... That arm is so strong and so shatter shot. They need to get that those mechanics straightened out for him. And you know you don't want to take a top ten pick and not play him that first year. But at the same time, this team, you know, they're, they're, they don't have the strongest offensive line. The Richie Incognito retiring is a big blow that they really didn't replace him. They're short talent at the wide receiver position they don't have a lot of playmakers it's a very tough situation going into that buffalo offense for a young quarterback and now you got Deshaun mccoy with legal issues exactly we have no idea what's going to happen there whether he's playing whether he's you know something comes out you know i mean this is the nfl there could be a bombshell any day of the week with that and so it's not a good situation for Allen to go in there and get beat up and, and not have anybody to throw the ball to and not anybody to protect him. This might be a good year for Buffalo to, to throw A.J. McCarron to the Wolves and let Allen get straightened out and focused on 2019. Yes, Josh Allen has got to sit this year uh, because he is just so raw. If you rush him and throw him to the Wolves uh 
very quickly out of the gate this year, he is destined to fail. And I hope Josh Allen proves me wrong. I met him at the Senior Bowl, very nice guy, but I have doubts about him. But the only way to give him a chance to succeed is to let him sit and learn and refine. That's the only way he'll have a chance to be a successful, competent quarterback in the National Football League. And moving on to Josh Rosen, pretty interesting scenario behind uh, Sam Bradford, who's often injured, but uh, Bradford seems to have a slight upper hand right now. Well, yeah, I mean, Bradford is, you know, loaded with talent, former number one overall pick. We saw last year in Minnesota that fantastic game he had in week one and then just never got back on the field for the rest of the season due to injuries. So, again, Rosen, you know, needs to get some work in the weight room. He's got to build up those spindly legs, get a little muscle on his frame. I really like Josh Rosen coming out in this draft. He's, you know, he's got that decision making in place already he's got that that brain that a quarterback needs he seems like he processes information very well at the line of scrimmage which is something that's instinctive with quarterbacks that you know some guys have it some don't and those who don't last long in the league so for Rosen I think it's a matter of just being ready and whenever Bradford goes down whether it's week one week seven week 13 Whenever we know it's going to happen, so <laughs> whenever it happens, just be ready to go and bide your time and get your work in. Yes, I agree with everything you said about Josh Rosen. He definitely has to build up some more core strength, especially in the lower body. And Mike Mayock said his biggest concern about Josh Rosen was his health record. And also, he has to learn how to protect himself better because he takes way too many hits. And he was actually compared to Sam Bradford by Mike Mayock. And there are some similarities because both of them are natural throwers. They throw accurate footballs and have rock-solid mechanics, but... They just can't stay out of the trainer's room. And Josh Rosen is, when he's forcing the action this year, and he will be at some point, and I think relatively early, he'll be playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League with the Arizona Cardinals. So Josh Rosen, he has to show in training camp that he's learning how to protect himself against these unnecessary hits. And and that's a very hard thing for a young quarterback to do. Um, just look back to Jimmy Garoppolo during the Tom Brady suspension. He had that excellent game against Arizona. He had that amazing first half against Miami and running around outside the pocket, unsure whether to try to extend the play, whether to throw the ball away. He took an unnecessary hit. It knocked him out of those next two games and, um, you know, probably cost, um, you know, may have, well, I didn't cost him in the overall, but it might have set him back a year and the Patriots could have traded him a year earlier with four games under his belt, possibly. But again, you see quarterbacks that don't make that decision and are used to being mobile in college. You know, unless you're a supreme athlete at quarterback, you need to learn to play in the pocket and look at the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger's who learned to Make the decision, set your feet, and either let it go, throw it away. And that's how these these guys end up staying on the field and extending their careers. And that's just something that young quarterbacks have to learn is when to, you know, sometimes just let, you know, get them on the next play, get them on the next series. Yes, and what I believe the Cardinals will do to hide that for Rosen this year is to make David Johnson the centerpiece of the offense as opposed to him. And Rosen will be turning and giving the ball to David Johnson most of the time. 
Exactly. I mean, we saw in Arizona how that offense struggled just losing Johnson, you know, even before the injuries uh, decimated the quarterback position there. But having a running back who can touch the ball 300 times and, you know, be as impactful as David Johnson is. I mean, really, if you think back to last year at this time, you know, the talk was David Johnson, what's his encore going to be? And, you know, nobody really expected him to be missing almost the entire season. And, you know, for the NFL, you hate to see those dynamic star players miss a year like that. So we're hoping uh, I think everybody watching the NFL this year is, is excited to see David Johnson bounce back and get back to that level where he's one of the most exciting players in the game. Yes, and last but not least among these uh, five first-round quarterbacks from this past year's draft, Lamar Jackson. What is the biggest question for him to address this training camp? So for Lamar Jackson, I think it's a matter of if he's got to get the offense down, how much he's going to get that with Joe Flacco in front of him is going to be the difficult question. I I feel like Joe Flacco's the kind of quarterback that's more likely to dig in his heels and, you know, I'm going to take every snap. I'm not giving up my job without a fight. He's a very competitive player and as terrible as he was the last season, he you know, this has been his team. He has taken this team to the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl, and I think he still looks at himself as that kind of quarterback. So it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for sure, for Lamar Jackson to be able to get on the field, no matter how much I think everybody uh, in Baltimore, whether it's the front office coaching staff or the fans, is so excited to see Lamar Jackson out there. So I think he may have to be integrated slowly. You'll start maybe see some packages at the beginning of the season where he's in for a play or two or a series and let that build and grow organically. And if they're, uh, you know, hovering around 500 or dropping into the second half of that division there in the AFC North, then you might see the switch over um, and be the Lamar Jackson show for the last half or last quarter of the season. Yes, I think Lamar Jackson will benefit by uh, sitting a full season to iron out some of the kinks in his game. But Lamar Jackson, Matt Waldman, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the program, he was on the show before the draft. He thought Lamar Jackson, in terms of overall talent, was the second best quarterback in this draft class behind only Josh Rosen. And he pointed to Lamar Jackson's criminally underrated pocket presence. Lamar Jackson, he's not a run-first quarterback, contrary to what many talking heads say. He's a pass-first quarterback. He goes through full reads. He has that those quiet feet in the pocket that Tom Brady has. By quiet feet, that meeting subtle movement within the pocket before you make a throw. And you just don't break the pocket and tuck tail and run. You just move your feet very subtly and quietly. And, and he keeps his head up all the time. Lamar Jackson... He his pocket presence is a million times better than Michael Vicks was coming out of college. And what I'm hoping the Ravens do is give him some time to iron out that footwork, which uh, Matt Wallman said can be too close together at times. But he just has enormous potential. He isn't a run first quarterback. He's a pass first quarterback. And the Ravens have to believe what Matt believes that he can develop into that pure pocket quarterback with amazing mobility in addition to that ability and he you just can't sleep on the guy yes it'll benefit him because his footwork's still a little sloppy to sit behind Flacco for about half the year or three quarters of the year but Lamar Jackson is a guy that the league I think is sleeping on here 
and that's very possible as well. And I mean, uh, we saw we saw that last year with Deshaun Watson, where you know I think if you're redrafting the the 2017 NFL draft, he's jumping right up into the top of that draft, and he's not dropping down far enough to get to Houston. And another quarterback who, in that same type of situation, you know, because he had that athleticism, it's hard to see past that kind of athleticism at times and see the the quarterback who's behind center and, as you said, is able to, you know, check off all of those fundamentals that make a great pocket passer and it just gets gets lost in that, you know, ability to make plays outside of the pocket sometimes that these quarterbacks have coming out of college. Yes, indeed. And which one of those five rookie quarterbacks is most likely to start in week one in your eye? I'm going to go with with Sam Darnold. I think he's he's in the best position not to have to start, which is why it's probably he's the most likely who will because he won't have that pressure. And he probably will have a, a very, uh, very good preseason and, you know, basically outright win that job in New York. And, you know, again, that's a great place to be a young quarterback if you start out well. And, and it could be a great situation for Darnold there with the Jets in 2018. Oh, it most certainly can. And I agree with your assessment as well. I believe Donald is the most likely of those five to be under center in week one. And you mentioned Deshaun Watson. And speaking of him, the sophomore quarterbacks have also generated a lot of offseason hype. But it can be argued that nowhere is that hype bigger than in Kansas City. Not only did Patrick Mahomes have an impressive debut in the Chiefs' regular season finale last year, he arguably has the best weapons in the league with Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and now you add Sammy Watkins. Wow. That offense has potential to stuff the stat sheet every weekend, bring incredible, invaluable assets to your fantasy teams. But continue with Mahomes. To me, Mahomes is clearly a younger Brett Favre, yet, as Matt Wallman constantly points out, more mature decision-making. ESPN's Lewis Riddick also is on the on the Mahomes train. He believes that Mahomes could be the best quarterback in the National Football League in five years. Do you think such hype is warranted right now, or should we pump the brakes a bit? Well, he did only play one game, so that does require a little of the pumping of the brakes there. It was the last game of the season. You know, there were a lot of guys with the other side of the field with suitcases packed in the locker room ready to go home. But at the same time, you know, he did look impressive. And, you know, it was for a half second watching that game, you were kind of like, boy, are they going to bring Alex Smith back for the playoffs after this? You know, it's kind of hard to do that. And um, and like you said, I mean, he's got the infrastructure around him, you know, to have Andy Reid as your head coach, to be able to have that red shirt season to sit and digest that complex offense to step in with all those different weapons on offense around him. It's just a, it's a fantastic situation. And, you know, is he going to be the best quarterback in the game in five years? Well, we don't know, but he definitely is in a great situation to take steps towards that. And he is in a very good situation to have a very impactful 2018 season. I agree, and as we're going to be talking about in our fantasy football episodes in the weeks ahead, Patrick Mahomes is one of my fantasy sleepers this year, and I will be targeting him in all of my leagues. And while I understand the hype around Mahomes, I don't think we can discount Mitchell Trubisky in his sophomore campaign either. 
the Bears have built an environment around him that can get the most out of his potential. For his head coach, he has Matt Nagy, who helped develop Mahomes last year and also get a career year out of Alex Smith. And he has some intriguing weapons himself with Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, underrated rookie Anthony Miller, plus one of the best running back combos in the league with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Is it reasonable to fully expect a Jared Goff-type sophomore leap out of Trubisky? I'm not necessarily talking just stats per se, but in terms of improved overall skill set. Oh, definitely. I mean, he you could see his growth at the end of the last season. You know, if you if you look at the first, you know, four, five, six games he started, you know, he was completely lost and looked like he had no idea what he was doing out there. <laughs> I mean, there were there were games where I wasn't sure if he was going to throw for 100 yards during the game as well. Uh, watching him, he was just so lost out there. And, and, and that was a that was a you know, terrible, terrible Bears offense at times last year as well. But you started to see, you know, um, I think there was a, a game against Green Bay in November where all of a sudden it looked like it started clicking and then he put together a couple of good games. So, I, I mean, I remember Philadelphia wiped him out and that was kind of a learning experience for him there. But he bounced back from that game and he, he really strung together three, four really good games in the last quarter of the season for the Bears. And you could see, I, I, I think the Bears finished two and two down the stretch in those last four games. And you saw him, you know, 300 yard passing games, you know, wasn't lighting it up, but you saw that natural talent and you could see him processing the game and the game slowing down for him as the season went on. So add all those new weapons with him, bring in a quarterback guru. That's the blueprint for getting that year two a leap out of him. And it seems like the Bears have got everything lined up and ready to go for him. And, and he seems like someone who does seem ready to, to take a big step forward in his sophomore year. Oh, I'm expecting no less out of Mitch Trubisky this season, and the same goes for Patrick Mahomes. And now moving on to these training camp position battles, some of the position battles that are making headlines around the National Football League for fantasy football reasons or for other reasons that are drawing a nationwide interest here. And we start in Denver, where the Broncos have a wide-open competition at running back. You got rookie Royce Freeman, who they selected in the third round out of Oregon, Devontae Booker, or D'Angelo Henderson. Who do you think wins that job? Well, I'm rooting for Royce Freeman. I really enjoyed watching him play last season in college. He's, you know, seems like he has that that Denver running back look to him, the ability to make that that cut and explode through that offensive line. He looks like he could be a Denver running back, but I think Devontae Booker has the has the edge right now. Just having the offense down, uh, being able to protect his quarterback in the passing game, those are you know sometimes the things that ho- hold back a younger running back is is learning that protection because you know you flatten your quarterback just takes once, and he he's the one who's going to decide whether you're on the field or not going forward. So I'm going to give Booker just a slight edge over Freeman, but. I think by midseason, Freeman's going to wrestle that job away from him. And moving on to the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. And an underrated player on that defense last year was Patrick Robinson, who they tried to re-sign but couldn't find the money to do so, and he bolted for New Orleans. That slot cornerback position is a very underrated position in today's game, and the Eagles have a wide-open competition for that job with second-year corner Sidney Jones from Washington, Devontae Bosby, DJ Killings, or rookie Avante Maddox from Pittsburgh. Who do you see getting that job? 
I think Jones has the edge right now. I really like DJ Killings, what I've seen out of him in a short burst. I think he's got the talent. He's got the fluid hips and the and the quick feet that he could fill that role. I, I still think Sidney Jones has a slight edge, you know, going into the season. And it's and once he's in that position, it's going to be hard to knock him out of that. And and like you said, that is such a key position. Um, you know, it's basically in the NFL now a, a slot cornerback is going to be playing almost 70 percent of the snaps, which you may as well call him a starter at this point. So I'm giving the edge to Jones over Killings right now. Preach, preach, preach. And moving on back to Cleveland, who is going to replace future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas at left tackle? You got Sean Coleman, the third third year tackle out of Auburn, who played right tackle last year, or rookie Austin Corbett out of Nevada. Most people thought Corbett projected to guard or center, but Mike Mayock thinks he can function well at left tackle since he played left tackle uh, in college. So who do you think wins there? It'll be an interesting battle. It will be an interesting battle. I, I think if I'm Cleveland... And, you know, and you've got the potential of Baker Mayfield being there. You're going to go with a little bit more of a sure thing. I think Sean Coleman definitely has the ability to, to, to play left tackle. Corbett, I'm not as big on. Um, I, I'm looking at Coleman right now to, to take that left tackle job with the for Cleveland right now. I think he's got the ability right now to step in and take that job. And he appears to have the upper hand in that competition headed into training camp. And another left tackle position to be filled, the Patriots, after letting Nate Solder go for that um, overpaid deal, dare I say, in free agency to the Giants. The Patriots have Trent Brown, who is more of a right tackle, in my opinion, or rookie Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, who most project to slide inside the guard, but he played left tackle at Georgia, and his pass protection skills are top-notch, so... Uh, that is going to be an interesting battle, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion yet on who wins, but who do you think eventually wins? No, I think they're going to try to to see what Isaiah Wynn can do. Um, this being the Patriots in the offensive line, we're probably not going to know until week five who really is going to be the starter for the rest of the season, as they, they do tend, especially the last three or four years, to shuffle that offensive line around in the first couple weeks of the season. Um I'm a big Trent Brown fan. I was very excited that the Patriots were able to get him. He's somebody who's played on the left and the right side in San Francisco. I know Von Miller had some very high praise for Trent Brown uh, in the past two years as well. So I think Brown's going to eventually win that battle. Bill Belichick is going to try to put the five best offensive linemen out there i wouldn't be surprised to see isaiah win steal the starting left guard position away from joe tooney in training camp and see brown and win both lined up next to each other in the offensive line for most of the season and moving on to the patriots arguably their biggest competitor in the afc the pittsburgh steelers and they're going to be missing ryan chazier a lot because after chazier suffered that horrific injury last year the Seahawks I mean the Steelers went from averaging 17.8 uh, allowing 17.8 points per game to about like 27 or 28 points per game so he was the heart and soul of that defense and he is going to be missed dearly at that inside linebacker job they they have to keep their options open here because you essentially got two two down thumpers so to speak and Tyler Matikavich or John Bostic but you also drafted Terrell Edmonds in the first round and Terrell Edmonds yes although he's more of a safety uh, he could be your linebacker on sub-packages, which you're in more than 60 or 70% of the time. So Terrell Edmonds might be that starter, um, whether you like it or not. 
I agree. And, and you know, you're, you're absolutely correct. I think the Steelers were the Super Bowl favorites in the, the AFC up until Ryan Shazier went down. And you just saw what that impact that position has. Um, think of the Cowboys with Sean Lee when he's in the lineup versus out of the lineup. The Patriots with Donta Hightower, the difference it makes to that defense. Um, I think the Steelers went out. They drafted Terrell Edmonds. They're going to put him at linebacker. I think they'll give up a little bit of size to get a little more athleticism and playmaking ability. You've seen that trend on defense, and and that's been happening in Pittsburgh as well. So so I think Terrell Edmonds is going to be um, that every down linebacker. Um, maybe not week one, but by midseason in the second half of the season, he should be pretty much on the field uh, close to 100% of the time uh, playing linebacker for the Steelers. He is Hale Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his work at bostonsportpage.com and follow him on Twitter at HaleBent01 and catch him here weekly on SportsCrunch during the entire 2018 NFL regular season and playoffs. Hal, it's a pleasure to have you back, my man. You, as I said, you are my compatriot. You help make SportsCrunch be what it is, and I look forward to another amazing season together with you. But before we let you go here, uh, we want to introduce another component of our program. It's Challenge Flags. And in this segment, we issue a challenge to any team, player, coach, owner, league personality, whatever, and uh, issue our challenge to them. And my challenge flag is actually a joint challenge flag going to both the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Indianapolis Colts and Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles, you have Carson Wentz coming off that torn ACL and LCL. And the Colts, it looks like you have Andrew Luck coming back from that uh, shoulder surgery that cost him all of the 2017 season. But whatever you do, do not Rush them back. Only put them back on the field until you and your medical staff are 100% sure that they are 100% healthy. That was a mistake Andrew Luck made last year. And the Colts medical staff, I believe, share some blame as well. And the Eagles uh, cannot repeat that mistake with Carson Wentz. Take your time with both of those quarterbacks, please. All right. I agree completely with that. My challenge flag is going out to the Green Bay Packers. You have Aaron Rodgers healthy. Fix that defense. I don't care what it takes. If you're going to rush Jair Alexander and Joshua Jackson in at cornerback, you saw what New Orleans did last year on defense, flipping the switch to get that with that infusion of youth and talent in the secondary Follow those that same blueprint. Get that defense fixed whatever way it takes. Get those young cornerbacks out on the field with the starting unit. Day one of training camp. Get Muhammad Wilkerson in the middle of that defensive line and get him roaring after the quarterback. Get disruptive on defense. Give Aaron Rodgers that defense he needs so to take the pressure off of him a great Green Bay Packers team is a great thing for the NFL and the viewing public. So Green Bay, get that defense fixed. That's my challenge flag. Hal Bent, my man. It's great to have you back. I can't stress that enough. And we look forward to having you back on very, very soon. I can't wait, David. It's great to be back talking football. Like I said at the beginning of the program, it's been building up inside of me for months and just bubbling to get out here. So I'm very excited as well and looking forward to a, a great NFL season and a great time as always here on the Sports Crunch podcast with you, David. 
Indeed. Thank you very much, Al. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back later this week with our good friend Chris Shanafelt to preview the 2018 Chicago Bears. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with AK. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.